Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks. Plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I am a very stuffy Matt Dwyer. It's, uh, it's allergy season here, or when you're me, <laughs> it's always allergy season. I'm lucky, because you know why? Mom smoked during pregnancy. Way to go, Ma. Thanks. I actually I, I actually asked her once, and she was like, oh, not, not a lot, just a little. I was like, yeah, thanks, Ma. Glad to, you know, I, I, I kind of have a theory that anybody born in my, uh, era was everybody was just kind of born with fetal alcohol syndrome because uh, everybody drank and smoked and no one gave a shit about baby <laughs> no one cared about me uh if you like my theme music that played that is by a band called less blanks you could uh, check them out at lessblanks.com they also have another band called holy folk they're real good check that shit out yo uh if you haven't listened to conversations with matt dwyer before it is just what the title implies, a conversation with this guy, uh, sort of a free-formed thing, less of a question-and-answer conversation. Uh, so there you go. Today's guest is uh, journalist Abby Martin. She is one of my favorite journalists, and I got a lot of journalists that I like, so she's real up there at the top. She might be above uh, Edward R. Murrow, partly because she's alive and he's been dead for like 60 years or something 50 years i don't know long time he's been dead a while uh yeah also i was uh <laughs> i was i was wondering something today at the farmer's market i was at the farmer's market i don't know what made me think of this but i was thinking like you know how people say you can pray your gay away can that also like work the other way <laughs> can you uh can you pray to be gay can you just be like some guy just like oh dear god I'm so tired of these soft boobies. Please. Oh, God, please give me a hairy chest and some beard stubble. Oh, dear God, I'm so tired of flowery girls. Please, can I just get some bulky beer belly and some Old Spice, please? Oh, God, please, God. I'm tired of soft lips. Oh, so tired of those soft, velvety, rose petal lips women have. I want a, I want a, I want a guy with chapped lips. <laughs> and a big... Th- big tongue <laughs> I don't know just a thought I'm just saying 
these people who don't like the gays aren't thinking it through. Maybe you maybe you can pray to be gay as well as pray not to be gay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't believe in God, so I'm not really uh, sure how the uh, prayer thing works. If anybody wants to uh, help me out, man, I'm stuffy. I, I got my nose is more stuffed up than a like fucking John Belushi in the 80s. <laughs> well, not any time after 82. I think he fucking dropped off by then. But anyway. Also, I read this thing recently where Monsanto is trying to make apples that don't turn brown after a while. You know, when you fucking bite an apple and it turns brown? Like, like I, we've, do, we really, do we really need this? It's been, uh, I don't know, thousands upon thousands of years people have been eating apples. And I don't, I've never really heard anyone be like, God damn it. Can someone please get me a, an apple that doesn't turn brown after a few minutes? Can someone please genetically fuck with an apple so I cannot have a brown apple? This is this is just insane. I mean, this is America, and we have apples that still turn brown? What kind of fucking things are going on in this country? <laughs> it's like, also, too, uh, if you're making, like, a salad with apples, and you don't want it to turn brown, uh, you can take a lemon wedge, and you rub, uh, you rub that on the apple. It doesn't turn brown. Little tip from Matt Dwyer for you, the the my listener, because we don't fucking need Monsanto. We hey, simple solution. Matt Dwyer here for you, everybody. I'm here for you. Uh, we're gonna get into this episode. Uh, I forgot. Uh, I I had a lot of fun uh, talking to Ms. Abby Martin. Uh, so and I usually have people plug what they do at the end of the show. But uh, I forgot to do that. But you could check her out on Breaking the Set at uh, on the RT uh, News Network there. Uh, her episodes are on uh, YouTube. She also is the founding member of Media Roots. Uh, so you can go to MediaRoots.org. And uh, you can also follow Ms. Martin at Abby Martin at, on uh, Twitter there, at the old Twitter. So MediaRoots.org. Breaking the set on YouTube and RT. It's also uh, there on the televisions in parts of the world. Uh, she's a really great uh, journalist, and I like I like the cut of her jib. So uh, we're, we had a really great conversation. I think you're gonna like it. So listen to it. You are the. Uh founding member of Media Roots, and you also have Breaking the Set on RT, which is uh, one of my daily visits. And you're also, uh, something I was surprised and really enjoyed is that you're also an artist, no? You're a painter. Yeah, yeah, I am. Was that, did you sort of start off as a painter? Like, was that an early thing, or was that like a later development? Um, I, I, well, I did it after I started taking psychedelics when I was a teenager and then, and then, and then getting into like abstract painting and then realizing, you know, once I started getting into political activism and kind of like marrying the two concepts, but it was always kind of an escape. But then I, I had my first show where it was like all political art show, um, and installation. So then that was my first opportunity to really like pioneer a bunch of like straight political work. And I, and I really, I think it's a responsibility for artists and musicians. I mean, of course, not to make your work just wholly and solely based on political things and and current things that you can use art to like express. But I think that if you do that, then I think it's it's definitely like 
part and parcel with if, if you believe in these things and you should really express them through different mediums. And if your talent is pain, if your talent's music, then, then that's a great way to be able to get a message out or convey some sort of philosophy. And so I try to, I try to do that. It's also just fun just to do abstract stuff though, just because I'm like consumed with politics on a daily basis. Yeah, that it gets pretty exhausting. It's, and and you, what you were saying about art and politics is it's interesting because kind of one of the I, I've talked to a lot of uh, '60s radicals and a lot of them mm. I wouldn't say they criticize the, the like the our younger revolutionary movements, but they say it would they would be better helped if there was sort of an underlying art movement with it, and it doesn't really s- seem like that exists these as much. There's not like political music. Or in my, at least in my view, a, a lot of political art, or as much as there should be. I don't know if I'm out of base on that. You might know better. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I mean, coming from the Bay Area, one of the biggest counterculture areas of the country, to D.C., there's such a like a void of any sort of art here in D.C. But I mean, in Oakland, yeah. I mean, I mean, even at the height of like. A lot of the anti-war activism, you weren't really seen, you know, when Obama got elected, I guess, it's like when a lot of things kind of fell off the grid, like you didn't really see a lot of political art that was opposing the system, opposing the two parties. Instead, you saw a lot of like even adbusters, um, like portraying Obama and his cabinet as like part of the Revolutionary War and and Shepard Ferry, like kind of worshiping him and, and carrying that image. And so it was just like a really sad state, I think, for, for art for artists at least to look at like these figures and be like, what the hell happened? I mean, I mean, we're supposed to be counter culture, not like pro one party and, and buying into this bullshit, like the humanitarian aspect of, of a horrible fucked up system. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <So. laughs> I mean, it's pretty amazing because I avidly and uh, criticize Obama and I, mm-hmm. Sometimes my friends get this look on their face, face like I'm telling them their uncle molested me. It's like they people don't want to hear you say the truth, frankly, about him, and which is something I greatly appreciate appreciate about your show. Is you uh, you hold no uh, punches on that guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. I mean, he's he's a, he's another head of the same beast. I mean, people who don't want to criticize Obama, it's just it's sad because it reveals their completely blind allegiance to a party. I mean, it, it, I mean, if those people were supportive of Bush, then I understand at least they're congruent in their beliefs and like haven't really like gone astray from this hard line of like supporting the war on terror and all this shit that falls in line with that. But if you were opposed to Bush and thought that he was a horrible president and let us into like a really terrible time and if you support Obama it it makes no sense because he's pursuing if not exacerbating the exact same policies in fact making i mean like i said exacerbating them i mean the civil liberties erosion the drone wars i mean potentially one of the greatest threats to world peace i mean when you remove the the person from like your the way that you kill people and it's just these robots flying all over the mu- the Muslim world and just killing people, and it creates more radicalism, more terrorism. I mean, all these things is just it's terrible. I mean, the NDAA totally eradicated due process, one of our most fundamental rights as American citizens. I mean, even uh, you know we're we're going back in time about 600 years here. I just 
the writ of habeas corpus is a very fundamental thing for, for human beings. And so to not have that and just for people to just make excuses and apologize for this person, I just it really shows you how strong this this is, though, this this party loyalty, because people feel like they need to belong to a party. They feel like they need to adhere to some sort of line and and really you know and i think that's really the hardest thing is like removing yourself and saying this is wrong um both of these things are wrong and i don't believe in this um it's just easier it's easier to live your daily life and just be like well i'm a democrat it's yeah i had a endless debates during this election because a lot of and rightfully so women were voting for you know, pro-choice, but I, right, and it was hard to argue. But I was like, he's taking away a lot of important rights as well, and it's like make a point. And like I supported Jill Stein. At least I felt mm-hmm. she was closer in the ballpark than you know. She's at least she's against the banks, <laughs> but you don't, and you don't. I mean, you don't see people like her getting on any mainstream talk shows it's it's and nader people consider a lunatic now because he ran a second time and it's it's absurd to me yeah the people who voted for obama as a knee-jerk reaction to romney like like somehow just imagining or envisioning that he would pick a supreme court justice that would or, or you know override where roe v wade i mean I mean, yes, it's a possibility. Yes, Romney said that he wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is insane. Um, but at the same time, I mean, voting for an issue that's 60, a 60-year-old 60 issue um, or 50-year-old issue, like, that's just a really strange thing to vote now in 2012 on an issue that's so abstract to, like, I, I just don't believe that Roe v. Wade would be able to be overturned. And so, and I think it's just fear-mongering from the Democratic Party. It's fear-mongering from the left to be like, this is really what it boils down to. And we heard Biden say that on the fucking debate. Biden's like, he, like, looks the camera in the eye, he's like, looking at you as you're sitting there, and he's just like, this all boils down essentially to abortion. I mean, he's basically like fear-mongering people who are watching this debate and being like, holy fuck, if I don't vote for Obama, like, I might have my right to abortion taken away. Like, that's what it's, that's what they made it boil down to in a lot of instances, which is just so, it's just offensive. It's offensive. This is like the, the dumbed-down dialogue that we live in where it's like we were terrified that abortion might be taken away in 2012, so we're going to vote for, like, the less crazy, you know, um, sociopath who's doing a, a bunch of the same shit. It's like they just present you with, like, this fucking fascist psychopath and then, like, a less crazy sociopath. And you're like, well, I guess this guy's better because he isn't going to fucking take my right to abortion away. It's, like, so fucking insane the way that we, this two-party dictatorship, like, it's just this false paradigm. And people buy into it. Yeah, it's, sorry, I just went on a rant. No, no, I, I like it, <laughs> but but I, it's like when you called Obama a sociopath. That's a, when I, when when there was a school shooting and he was crying. I kind of couldn't. My first thought was that you know that at that point, a hundred and seventy something children had been killed by drone attacks. I'm like, you don't see the the insanity in 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 this, and like that's like a crazy person cries and then also kills 
more children. Uh, it, oh, Matt, but you didn't know that American lives are more important. I forgot. American lives are more. Are there worth more, dude? Didn't you get that? I for, didn't you get the memo? <laughs> I, I don't. I sometimes have steam issues, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, I mean, yeah. I think those little brown babies are more important than me, and that's foolish. I'm a white Christian American. Not really. I don't. You are I don't a foolish, foolish man for thinking that they are even half of what American lives are worth, Matt. No, it's seriously offensive. I mean, looking at him crying, and everyone's like, and you're like, God damn. If I, I mean, I can't even imagine if the media picked one drone attack and just zeroed in on it like the Sandy Hook thing and they were like exploiting the, the victims and the families and who these kids were and interviewing, you know, the fucking gas station attendant down the street and did you see these kids before they got blown up and all this shit. I mean, can you imagine how we would react if we saw just one drone attack being zeroed in like the Sandy Hook thing? I mean, because we won't ever see that because because in order to keep these wars going, you need to dehumanize the other you need to to keep this other entity this other you know muslims or or brown people or anyone who's not white or us or anyone who who's muslim um you need to keep them dehumanized and and it's just racism is just bred and that's why we can never look at like a global society and look at really how our policies are killing people the same way that they are here abroad yeah it's 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 almost like we're in some way begging for more terrorist attacks because we surely don't we do everything in our or our government does everything in their power to continue the threat it's i mean and we, it's noted that we've ignored signs before i mean that after the first world trade center attempt they we it seems like we should have stepped up a little bit and watched ourselves but we we kind of just went down a rabbit hole on that one yeah, we, we, dude, are you kidding me? I mean, look at, first of all, the drones are one thing, like just killing people with drones when it has a 98% failure rate. I mean, how is that, how, if that's not counterintuitive, if that's not begging for more blowback, then I don't know what the fuck is. But aside from that, I mean, we, we, this government wants there to be such a legitimate threat and it just isn't there. I mean, look at all these fake entrapment cases where they're just going around to different mosques and, and literally spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars for months and months, sometimes years, to try to entrap angst-ridden teenage men into like, here, I'll give you the bomb if you want it. Like, come on, let's fucking do something. Like, what? You don't, you know, like like trying to get, trying to legitimize this police state and legitimize the surveillance state by saying like, look, we caught this terrorist, we caught this terrorist. It's like that person would never be a terrorist if the FBI wasn't there for years trying to like entrap them into these fake plots and supplying them with weapons and bombs and and all this shit. I mean, it's just so outrageous when you really realize the lengths that this administration is going to justify the domestic front of the war on terror. And of course, abroad, I mean, I, I don't understand what, first of all, terrorism is war. I mean, anyone who says that war is not terrorism on a large scale is an idiot. Um, and, and secondly, I mean, if you can seriously look at these wars that we've started in the Middle East and say that that's not causing, <laughs> you know, more more <laughs> hatred and like anti-American sentiment, then I don't really know what reality you're living in. But so, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's completely insane. <laughs> 
This government doesn't care about terrorism. They care about terrorism when it's when it's relevant for them to use politically. That's what they care about. And if that, they cared about terrorism, they wouldn't delist MEK to try to overthrow the Iranian regime. They're a terrorist organization. Yeah, you know, or when it's uh, when something threatens corporate profit, because I'm sure you're aware of the the uh, grand jury things that have been going on with the environmental activists. Oh yeah, which nuts. is nuts, and which it, it's perplexing how how no one knows about that. Like it's just a handful of right, and I I've been trying to. Uh, get awareness on that subject and and people it's, i don't even think it registers on how of a, a huge of, of offense it is of these people's civil liberties that they can't testify or uh, plead the fifth and it's just I, sometimes it's hard not to think of it's just like we're just going down the shitter man it's like is there any hope <laughs> i mean you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, and I'm sure you wouldn't either if we felt like there was no hope. I'm sure we'd be living on some island. You know, I mean, I think that there is. I think that I think that we're we're in a really crucial state, though. I mean, we're in a really crucial moment right now in in history and in the in our the climate right now. Um, there's it's very devoid of political activism, but at the same time, like we can turn things around if we really want to we're still in that state where you know we're not living in a full-on police state we're not living in like under fascism yet um we're getting there (laughs) but but it's not there yet and so we still have a chance to really to really do something about it and i think you know things things like these environmental activists these new laws like ag gag laws and even aaron swartz's suicide um of course the mainstream media hasn't even touched upon it like and he, you know, it's just such a, it's such a profound example of the two-tiered justice system really exemplifying this guy who all the odds were stocked, stacked against him. And he really did so much to try to um, fight for Internet freedom. But I think the more things like this happen, if we just, we just need to really be outraged. And, and I don't, and I don't know really what the difference is between now and and other social movements that were really strong. I mean, I think the draft has something a lot to do with it. I think it's just hard. The inundation of entertainment and technology is, it makes it hard to focus and like really this and that. But we do have, we have information at our fingertips. I mean, social media is a a great way to galvanize. Um, We just, we can turn things around. I do believe in humanity. I think that, I think that good will prevail if we can fucking wake up and and do it i think the problem is a lot of people don't fucking know they don't know what's going on they don't know how bad it is um they just are trying to make ends meet and you know they sit in traffic they go to their job that they hate they come home and they just watch tv and do it all over again yeah i mean i have the luxury where i get i can spend my whole day (laughs) reading news sources and and but I, I think if if I worked a nine to five job, I think the last thing I would want to read about is drone attacks. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I probably would because I'll spend my evenings uh, drinking whiskey and watching Chomsky videos on YouTube. So <laughs> that's, that's a fun night for Dwyer. <laughs> <laughs> You're an anomaly. <laughs> um, I and I did want to ask you because I think this is like sort of a a grand example of what's wrong with our, our, I guess our media is like the, the situation that happened with you and Rand Paul, which is, mm-hmm. is 
would you mind explaining that situation? And then, because I wanted to ask if that's a common occurrence with with uh, reporters, or if that was just something that came down your pike. No, I mean, I mean, I just I just moved to D.C. about a month before this happened, and uh, my friend Luke from We Are Change and I had gone into the Senate building, the Capitol building, rather, and. And, and we were going to this public press event that we had press passes for. Like, that's the craziest thing is that we had press passes, independent press passes, and we were going to this public event. And before we got there, we saw Rand Paul walking toward us, and we were like, well, we might as well just talk to him right now because he's walking toward us, and we're in this corridor and, you know, whatever. So we, like, pulled up the camera, and we just I was just asking him about Romney, his endorsement for Romney, and, and why he would – why he would ever endorse someone who was like the biggest warmonger who supported all these things that Rand Paul supposedly did. And it's like, you didn't, you don't need to endorse someone because it's just a blanket kind of support for, for all this person's policies. Right. And so he totally ignores me, whatever, whatever. And, and it's over. Um, the video picked up a lot of traction. And about a week after this happened, I got, I walked into my work and, um, my boss like called me in the office and he was sitting there with the manager and it was like this very serious, somber moment. And I was like, Oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> and they were like, you know, you're, we're getting calls for your arrest. Um, we're getting threats from the Senate police, the Capitol police to come and arrest you. And because you were harassing Rand Paul, you did this, you stalked him and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, look, if they want to come and arrest me, have them come and arrest me. I was like, just film it. I was like, bring out the television crew, film them, you know, <laughs> film the Capitol Police coming down and arresting me because I didn't do anything wrong. And so basically it was all empty threats because the guy followed up. He just wanted to scare my boss. He wanted to basically make blanket threats. Um, and scare me and my boss and my boss to be like, you know, don't ever do this again. They're trying to get me to fire you, to remove your credentials. I mean, they were threatening to basically pull not only my credentials, but all of the people at RT's credentials. I mean, that's how far this was going. Finally, it settled with this guy who who's the head of the Senate Media Relations Committee writing me an email. And this is the first thing in writing because my boss kept telling them, like, write this to us in writing because this is all completely – baseless like you're just you know you're just telling us all these threats on the phone if you write me in writing what the charges are what you're going to do like then we can really follow up with our lawyers and all this stuff and so I was like well great let's hear what he has to say and so finally it really ended up with him totally toning it down and, and writing me this email like come in and speak with us and I was like what the hell is going on so I went into this interrogation room in the senate media senate media building with all the heads of the bureaus, I mean, all the heads of like all the major corporate news bureaus. And I had to tell my story and talk about what happened. And, and I mean, nothing came out of it, but, but it really was a really scary, intimidating experience, especially from someone who really did, had no idea that this was going to happen. I mean, at all. I just thought that I was just going there as a reporter and asking questions to a politician who's a public servant that I pay their salary and, um, and to get this kind of really vicious, like, threats and attacks and, and just this interrogation from all these people uh, much older than me and, like, very, uh, you know, looking down at me and being like, so, little girl, what were you thinking when you did this? And, like, you can't do this and blah, 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 like, having me tell my story to them. And, I mean, it all ended with me not knowing what was going to happen. I didn't know if they were going to follow the charges or what. So I was just kind of waiting for, like, a month and... 
I didn't come out with the story until finally I was like, well, I need to talk about this because I think this is really fucked up that this is what happens to people who, like, don't follow, you know, like, don't follow the exact line of, of how people are supposed to act in D.C. and in this stupid beltway where you're like supposed to follow all these rules and do this and that and like if you don't get spoken to then you can't speak or you know all this shit it's just stupid yeah it seems like if you're a public figure and you're walking around in that public the building (laughs) that building it's like it seems like you're open to be asked questions at any given moment and i saw some of those videos and he was just just wouldn't say a thing he just was and it's just like you you're making yourself look worse (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean it's it's is it just their the egos or or the just like how we control you you don't control us type of mentality yeah i mean i think i think we know we all know what it is i mean he's vying for a presidential bid in 2016 he he's very strategically endorsing romney's doing a lot of interesting things, going to Israel, you know, hanging out. I mean, all this shit he's doing that's like you you know that he's just kind of trying to play the game. I mean, he's playing the long game, but but the the fact is we don't have time to play the long game for you to, like, become president. It's completely unrealistic and selfish and insane, grandiose, like, grand, like delusions of grandeur if you think that you're going to become president in 2016 and that's why you're, like, towing this line. But I, but obviously that's why. Obviously, I mean, and and I think Ron and Rand Paul. I used to be a huge fan of Ron Paul. I voted for him in 2008, changed to become Republican and stuff to do that, and then kind of waking up to the fact that they are both establishment figures as well, um, especially Rand. Yeah, I, 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 I Ron Paul just seems. He says all these grandiose things, and I kind of just never really buy it <laughs> it just seems like yeah. a, a little game to me that to rally up some people or rile up some people did are you it, talking about rand or ron uh, ron yeah i i yeah rand just makes me kind of nervous <laughs> he he's he's got a little creep to him on top of everything <laughs> yeah i think i think you're right i mean i think ron i think ron paul is also I mean, what like the part that made me really pissed off in 2008 is when, when you know he was saying he was going to run for president and all this stuff, and then he like took. I mean, my family alone donated like a ton of money to him, and he was collecting. I mean, tens of millions of dollars, and and then he just decided to not run independent. Like he just decided to kind of just like back off and and was like, well, I didn't get the bid, and you're like, well, of course you didn't fucking get the bid. What the hell? Do you really think that you're going to become like Republican presidential candidate? Like, of course not. Like we pay, we're supporting you to to run, uh, you know, whatever it takes to really go all the way. So that was when I woke up to the fact that he doesn't. He, I mean, he's just, you know. What's what's he? Get he's to a do? politician. He's a fucking. It's it's not for real. <laughs> yeah, that's the amazing thing to me that people still. By still believe that these guys are gonna that they're gonna do something and change it, and it's like that people got on board with Obama. Like here we go, and it's like nothing's gonna happen. They're they're beholden to corporations and banks, and I mean the fact that Obama picked Biden was a sheer sign of like you know Biden's a warmonger and he's yeah in the system. It's like that was right there. That was a sign that he wasn't gonna do a fucking thing. 
I mean, look at look at even just today. I covered the Jack Lou thing, and I was just like, I didn't really know that much about Jack Lou. And I mean, you just look at all the people he's appointed. I mean, all the people who's funding his campaign, all the people he's appointed, and and people who make excuses for him, and they're like, Obama can only do so much. I mean, it's like, well, he's appointed all these terrible, terrible people. I mean, he's appointing them to surround him. So I mean. It's just really sad that you can't see the glaring reality and like like that he has has literally handpicked the worst people to surround him. The worst people for these cabinet positions. Absolute worst. I mean Jack Lou, you know, one of the guys who who got tens of thousands of dollars or I'm sorry, hundreds of thousands of dollars on of our money from the bank bailout. Like now he's run, he's going to run the treasury. And then Timothy Geithner was before that. I mean these people are, are sick, twisted corporatists. I just, they don't care about, about this country. They don't care about our rights. They don't care about anything except make, meeting their bottom line and, and keeping this revolving door going so they can get more fucking money. I mean, that's the sad, sad reality. And, and to just apologize for Obama, I mean, yes, he's smart. He's intelligent. He's well-spoken. Is that a reason to just think that he's like, he has good intentions? No. That's what somebody said to me when, bizarre. when they were comparing him to Bush. They're like, well, at least he, he can put a sentence together. I'm like, that should not be a, a, <laughs> a, a it's like, that should be a given that our president can articulate things. It's like, That's hilarious. That was perplexing to me that that was like an important thing. It was like. Right. Well, he. You're like, well, of course they should be able to fucking. Like, are you kidding me? Hey, at least that he should be like the least. <laughs> at least he doesn't put his uh, face in the plate of food and eat it that way, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's putting on shoes himself, so there's hope for the country. <laughs> yep, that's that's the state of discourse now. Because we've had Bush, we had Bush for so long, and everyone's like, well, at least we have someone who could like speak English. <laughs> You know, who doesn't say put food on your family? I mean, at least we have that. Ugh. Well, did, did, do you find that sometimes that because you're so outspoken, does, has that affected you with uh, guests or people not wanting to talk with you? It seems like people would welcome that, but <laughs> that open, honest uh, debate would be something. Oh, people, people that agree with me, absolutely. But yeah, we've reached out to so many people like on the other side and like people in the administration and stuff and they've all declined it i mean then again it could be because of rt i don't i don't know if it's because of like me i mean anyone can do a quick google search and see a lot of stuff that they're probably like oh okay i don't want to put myself in that in that situation because i know where she stands on this or whatever but i don't know i mean you never know the reasons why people reject doing interviews you know yeah and is it because people get because uh People are dumb in the brain, and they hear the word Russian, and then they they think Red Scare and all that because people still got that shit in their brains. <laughs> oh yeah, you'd be you'd be shocked at how many idiots still um, think that I'm first of all that Russia's communist. Second of all, that the Soviet Union's still alive and well. Third of all, that the Red Scare's still alive and well. I mean, it's just like all these things that it's just like. You're a propagandist for Putin, blah, blah, blah. It's like, do you say that to Ben Swan, who's working for an affiliate of Fox, that he's a, he's a puppet for Rupert Murdoch? No. That's what I was Because gonna... he does his own work. I mean, it, you, you base someone's work off the merit of their work, not the umbrella 
station that they, they, they happen to be using as a platform to say their work. And that's what's so interesting. It's, I've only seen it with RT. I don't see it with any other network. If, I, if someone was at MSNBC doing a show that I do and speaking out against Israel and this and that, no one would be like, you're a shill for this and that. They'd be like, wow, this person's using their platform to speak out about a lot of crazy shit. But instead, RT is a really easy way for people to kind of discredit you and, and the merit of your work and just dismiss you entirely because they're like, you're working for the Russian government. Your propaganda you're, you're propaganda's for, for Russia. And you're like, well, okay. So what about the facts that I've put out? Like, do you not want to... Yeah. Those are well, you like Murdoch hack into people's phones as well, though. I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's the point. Is like that's Murdoch is this evil fucking prick, and people are like, oh, oh, Russia's scary. And, and yeah. let's not forget, Russia gave us vodka, which is a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> also, a thing I like to drink while watching Chomsky videos. Nice. But uh, I say nightly routine. Nice red wine for the Howard Zinn videos. <laughs> Good, you know something French. It just goes well with <laughs> Zin. <laughs> remember when we were boycotting French everything, and and I remember seeing someone like say like dump all your French wine down the toilet, and I was like, I hate you. <laughs> like I hate everyone who's who's on board with this. Do you remember that shit? Well, like I, the I do. Fries and all that. I actually made oh a point God. to start buying French wine more often. Because, <laughs> hey, I mean, I like French wine, but I was just like, go fuck yourselves. Sometimes I just think... Yeah, it's like, oh, France doesn't want to get involved in, like, a quagmire, horrible war with no end. Wow, let's all boycott this country. It's, like, fucking smarter than us, apparently. Yeah, they they gave us uh, croissants and blowjobs, so I forever yeah. love France. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's. I just feel like sometimes America just looks like the retarded cousin to the rest of the world like people are just like oh fuck he's here <laughs> it's the retarded cousin with the nuclear weapons and everyone's like oh fuck we gotta just like stay the fuck away from that retarded cousin who's yeah, he's playing with the pistols again <laughs> all right let's all hide <laughs> something that i because just on a media level i, I recently learned because I, I don't when I I recently learned that the Westboro Ma uh, Baptist Church is only forty members, which mm -hmm. I found was astonishing, and I was like, mm -hmm. "Why are we giving these people so much press when it's just forty yahoos?" And I'm right. I feel like if we just didn't give them the press, they would probably go away. And yet, things like Occupy get nothing, <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. just infuriating to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, when you have, like, a message like God hates fags and you're going and picketing funerals, I mean, definitely you're, you're, uh, you're sensationalizing yourself, and, of course, the media loves it. I mean, they love that shit, you know? It's like their gift is the Westboro Baptist Church. They, they love these, these unstable people. What, what I think is funny about them is why are they so obsessed with, being gay like that that's not the that's not the most egregious sin in the bible it's just interesting that that's like their whole church's church's mantra is just like fags <laughs> it's like so bizarre but yeah we shouldn't be giving credence to them at all we should completely ignore them a hundred percent but there's something about them that's like it's insatiable to it's like a train wreck it's like it's like the most despicable thing about human nature with these people who are so full of hatred 
But Louis Louis Theroux, this guy who works for the BBC, is this journalist who goes and like lives with the most fucked up people. <laughs> and he lived at this church for like two months and did this whole report on them. And it's just interesting because they're like normal people, but they're just not. I don't know. It's a strange. It's a, It's like just this bizarre insight, like hanging out with the Westboro Baptist Church and then, you know, going to their sign making factory and seeing like all their bizarre, like one about like Nelson Mandela is like Nelson Mandela fag lover. And you're like, why? Why is Nelson Mandela a fag lover? Like, what is going on? It's like so bizarre. And of course, the indoctrination of small children where they just bring them out and picket funerals with them and, and that's what's the sad part is but yeah 40 people completely irrelevant doesn't do anything to anything totally should ignore them yeah well I, i'm i'm glad at least you give people like occupy and all that i mean you you give important people a platform it's and it's it's sadly rare that it happens but i'm i just want to thank you abby <laughs> oh mad appreciate that no. I mean, I think RT as a network gives those people a platform. It's really great. Uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing to me that you have to go. You know, you can't get that on mainstream television and right. And uh, like, I mean, I don't. It's just it boggles my mind. It depresses me. And I, it's like people think Rachel Maddow is some uh, hero of the left, and it's like she any. It's just. I watch that show once in a blue moon and I'm I just kind of find it a lot of times to be just babble. <laughs> I don't right. I don't make want to make you uh n talk nasty about a, a a fellow journalist but I just I just sometimes I'm perplexed by what uh what these shows talk about especially when they focus on pop culture nonsense and it's just like really that's we're talking to celebrities on the news <laughs> especially Well, Jenk Jenk Uger, who worked for CNN for a while, I'm sorry, MSNBC, I mean, he quit in protest because they told him, they, they literally took him in a room and said, you cannot be as critical as you are against Obama and the establishment. Wow. They're like, just, you can't. Yeah. And he was like, I'm leaving. I mean, he, was, he, he quit the Young Turks. He was working in corporate news and they told him, you have to tell the line more. And when he said no, they were just like, well, we're going to demote you and pay you more. They like kind of like got this bat like backhanded offer where they're like, well, we'll give you less airtime, but we'll kind of like give you hush money so you don't like so you kind of like know what's up. And he was just like, screw this, I'm out. But that really gives you an insight on how this stuff works. It's a lot of self-censorship. We know blatantly that in Fox News, they, they literally are given like notes every day. Like this is this is the line you have to toe. This is like the what you can and can't talk about kind of thing. I think CNN and MSNBC, it's just kind of more self-censorship where you know the line that you can't cross. I mean, you know how far you can take it. And that's the Rachel Maddows. And, and it's damaging because they are towing an establishment line. I mean, when you're – they're inside the paradigm. They're pushing that paradigm where – god damn, in the months going up to the election, it was disgusting. It was almost impossible to watch those networks because they were basically a propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. Yeah. And sometimes they're good, but sometimes they're terrible. And, and you just have to understand that that's their function. It, it makes me wonder if I, – I, if like the days of uh, Edward R. Murrow and Cronkite, or if those are just glorified as these golden ages or golden age of news, or if they were actually that pure. I know Murrow 
seemed a lot more pure in my from at least from what I've read. And was he was even opposed to like sports becoming part of the news. He's like, that's the death of news if we incorporate sports. <laughs> and I I think he probably is right on that one. Yeah, I think that I think that it did used to be very pure. Um, I mean, if you look at the consolidation of media, it happened within the last 15 years. I mean, this is when things really started to shift. Um, we had we used to have like 40 or 50 media companies, and now we have five. I mean, this is this is the trajectory that we're going on, um, and more and more people are being phased out, and especially especially in a post 9/11 world where even Walter Cronkite and stuff came out and said I it's it's this era of self-censorship where it's like putting a burning tire around your neck like in South Africa where if you speak out then you are you're you're killing yourself it's like a suicide i mean you you cannot say certain things you can't question certain things when Bill Maher came out and said that the suicide bombers were brave he lost his show over it I mean, this is the era that we live in. I mean, yes, of course, this is immediately after 9-11, but I think it's still bred into the the culture today where even obvious facts um, like blowback, like things like this, it, it, they, the news still perpetuates these stupid superficial myths that just are completely wrong. I mean, like, our, you know, they hate us for our freedoms and shit, like th- those kind of things. It's like childlike. You're yeah. like, let's have some serious dialogue that's actually hits at an undercurrent of why these things are happening. Let's talk about drones. Let's talk about what drones do. Let's talk about the reality. Like a perfect example is this video, that YouTube video that they said was like criticizing Mohammed and then it caused all these outrages and protests and stuff. That was a perfect example of how dumbed down the media is presenting that because anyone who knows anything about the Middle East and, and history of U.S. intervention and imperialism would be like, obviously these people aren't upset because of a video. Obviously there's been decades of of intervention and and fucking with these people's cultures and governments and lives, and this is all just kind of a culmination of a lot of different things in a historical lens. But of course, the media paints this broad brush, and they're like, "Well, people are getting upset because of a YouTube video," and you're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You know, this is like the way that we're treated. Yeah. Unreal. It's uh, what what was the. Was you did you come from like a, a political oriented family or was this something you sort of stumbled in on your into on your own? No, my I mean my grandpa was always super political, but I just kind of stumbled on. My mom was always really democratic, and my dad was kind of like didn't like apolitical kind of. And then um, after nine eleven, my my high school boyfriend joined the military to like go fight in Afghanistan and stuff, and so I just kind of started to care i was like well if my boyfriend's going to the military then i should start paying attention to what's going on um and then going to college and then i was like holy shit this country is so fucked up like starting to take like classes and just getting like a context of what we've been doing i mean, just completely i was just completely removed of that kind of perspective until learning stuff on my own i mean of course you know high school doesn't really teach you teach you too much so just like going out there and starting to like read and and learn about what the hell this country's been doing. Yeah, it's it's and how we might not be the best country in the world. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do I have to take my flag down? <laughs> and Hang it at half mass. Yeah, or it's 
Yeah, it's it's weird how many people still are like, oh man, you know, at le- least we're not in Europe. And it's like, w- w- why is that so bad? <laughs> it's like, why is that right. socialized medicine and all those things really? It's like this arrogance we carry around is just astounding. And and getting many, it's like once you start opening up that sort of world where you start really learning what this country is about, it's. Sometimes I'm like, oh God, why can't I just stay stupid? <laughs> it's like, I know. I can have a couple kids and drink beer and just be like one of them guys. Because <laughs> there's nights where I can't sleep because I'm just like, it can't get the shit out of my head. I know. What do I you? Know. What do you? What do you do to? I mean, because you're more in it than I am. I mean, you're in. Smoke weed, bro. It's the only thing you can do. The weed makes me think about it more. It makes me. <laughs> That's why I got to drink that. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. It can do that. Um, I think, well, first of all, talking about socialized medicine, what are you, a damn commie? No, I just, I love that. I love that people, like, if you, it, like, this is so interesting. This is something that I've, I've really been experiencing lately because I'm criticizing, I criticize, like, the system a lot. And the system's capitalism. And, and I'm pro, I'm pro-capitalism in a lot of different ways, but I do think that capitalism in its current form is completely, like, a monster that is that creates these monopolies that in turn like runs government and you know they uh, all these different things and i just don't see it going any other way and people who say that the market isn't free enough and we just need to open the market i'm like the market's fucking free as fuck how much more free does the market can the market be i mean i don't understand this is why we're so fucked because the market's so free that corporations have actually taken complete control of our government that's how free it is so but then, but then if you off, if you even critique that and say, and if you say those things and people are like, well, what are you a communist? What are you a socialist? And you're like, I'm, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that I think that something else can happen. I'm not saying that this is a replacement model. I just think that, you know, as long as we're spending 50% of our taxes killing people in the Middle East, we might as well be spending that much money as we're spending killing people, giving ourselves health care and education. Is that so insane to conceptualize? Like, and, and it doesn't have to be communism. It can be aspects of different things that we've learned. And as we've evolved as, as a species, I mean, we can do better. We can do fucking better than these failed models that do not apply, that we know have failed, that we know are, like, ruining this this world, this planet, and the environment, like, we can do better. We have the technology. We're just spending it all on death and destruction. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like, I mean, we should be ashamed and humiliated that we allow people to die because they don't have health insurance. I've just read something, and I, of course... You damn communist... <laughs> Our, our <laughs> infant mortality rate in this country is like, it, we should be, have the lowest, and I, we're, I forget what the exact number was, but I, it was like shocking how many babies die due to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Yeah, know. and our education is like 30th. Oh, yeah. Like, I, that's, how, that's how bad this kind of... We're the greatest country in the world, because we're the best military. <laughs> Who cares if babies are dying and... And people are fucking stupid and like, like, who cares, dude? We got bombs and guns and it's so awesome. And well, it would be curious to see how we brag about that in twenty years when China's military surpasses us. And right, it's and 
you know, they have all of our corporations. So it's like, that's the like things people like don't, I don't think, no, like when you see made in China, I don't think everybody realizes like, oh yeah, that's, well, that, that's why our economy is partly in the toilet because we gave away all our manufacturing. The, yeah, no, the, you, you just hit it right on the head. The only things we make here, our largest export is guns. That's that's why we need to keep this mili- That's why we need to keep these wars in, per- in perpetuity because all we do is create weaponry. That's what this whole country has become completely a weapons state, like a like a, a war state. I mean, that's like the arm of of the world power. That's just all about military, all about war. So we need to keep these wars going. We have no manufacturing jobs at all. Very little. They're all outsourced. Um, and and really, if we don't, and it's like I understand the plight of people who are like, well, how do we even like start to fix this? I mean, we now we would lose like thousands of tens of thousands of jobs if we try to like shut down the bases and this and that. It's like, well, we need to start somewhere. We can start by bringing jobs back here and transferring these these jobs that people are spending just making weapons and actually like making other things that are that would benefit this country. I mean, I don't know. There's got to be a fucking way. Like, we have to. Otherwise, we're going to, I mean, this is, we're going to die out. Empires always do. Like, we're arrogant as hell. It's not going to last. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we're too far away f- from the end of it. And that's... No. And it's, and I don't, this, the arrogance of Americans is like, we're always good, or we'll just bomb you. It's like, yeah, well, somebody's going to be able to bomb us, and, if, and, and they probably will. It's not like we don't have it coming. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I wouldn't, if someone was like, hey, missiles are coming, I'd be like, fuck, yeah, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> it was, and then, God, Matt, why do you not support the troops? So sad. I do support them. So sad. Them. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a horrible person. You should probably ask me not to put this out because you don't want to be associated <laughs> with a filthy commie. Who has gay <laughs> friends and and brown friends? I'm a horrible <laughs> cocaine, <laughs> and I've broken windows for fun. So, but not not a cor- any major corporations because I, I don't need to get that label. But uh, right, it just it, oh, so you're a terrorist as well? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I'm a I'm a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> I just like had a flash in my head of just like guys knocking on my door. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm a terrorist as well, according I'm, to, you know, whatever terrorism means. It's so meaningless. I'm actually a uh, baby of one of the weather underground people, so that's it's in my genetics. Nice. Um, I just, just out of my own curiosity, before we wrap it up, because you said the thing right off at the top about uh, doing hallucinogens, which I loved in my day. I was just curious, because I know you're from uh, the Bay Area, so I was wondering, were you like a little bit of uh, a hippie when you were younger? And Not when I was younger, but I did go through a phase where I, you know, experimented with hallucinogens and um, and came to terms with a lot of stuff about the world. I think that they're completely crucial. I think that they exist to enlighten us. Um, the fact that they're made illegal, I think, is very telling. Um, you know, the fact that, that alcohol and, like, these drugs are pushed on us that do nothing but harm us. Like, all the pharmaceutical pills and all the shit that just make people, like, complacent with living this life kind of void of anything that, that fulfills them, that enriches and nourishes their soul. Um, and when you ban psychedelics and make it seem like acid's going to melt your brain 
and this and that. I mean, and you're in this fear mongering about this whole culture. Um, it really does a lot of damage, and I think that I think that they exist because humanity should experiment with them, and I think it really would solve a lot of problems, and it would really extend people's empathy and and past nation states, which I think nationalism does a lot of damage to the world and perpetuates a lot of this horrible stuff. So I think psychedelics are totally imperative, crucial for everyone to try at some point in their lives, 100%. Maybe next time you're, like, in the Senate building and all that, you could start, like, <laughs> dropping LSD into, like, senators' pitchers of water. <laughs> you know? I was always thinking, you know, I, I was always thinking how interesting it would be if someone went in, like you know, the State of the Union or something, or like some sort of White House press corps event and dosed everyone. It would be so fascinating to see what would happen. They just took it back to the MK Ultra days, dude, and started dosing each other like the CIA used to do. It would be sweet. Suddenly our national anthem would be by the Allman Brothers. I, you know, I, I, you know, because I got that hippie streak in, in me as well, and I, I, I'm like, yeah, yeah we, we should give them acid. <laughs> I used to do, like, all that uh, Carlos Castaneda stuff, like, my friend and I would, you know, run down alleyways in Chicago with our eyes closed, and <laughs> we'd turn off the lights and find the void. And you know what, Abby, I, I don't mean to brag, I did find the void. Oh, what? <laughs> Oh, what? You went there. I did. I went there, and there, there was a 7-Eleven. It was kind of weird. <laughs> I had a Slurpee in the void, Abby. <laughs> I want to go there. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to plan a trip to D.C., so maybe we'll, we'll dose and uh, get some Slurpees in the void. <laughs> go get some Slurpees, dude. It's funny, whenever Obama goes to get a Slurpee, the whole city shuts down. It's like, you know, when this is so stupid about living here is like these caravans. It's like so ridiculous. I mean, if one politician is just out and about, like doing some sort of like photo op, like the whole city will be completely shut down. And like, you have to just like find your way around all these like streets are shut off. And you're like, well, Obama must be going to 7-Eleven to do a photo op with a donut. That's so that wouldn't do anything. That's why I live like on the fringes of LA in like a neighborhood that no one wants to film in. <laughs> no celebrity's mm-hmm. gonna be walking down my street, and it makes me really happy because this <laughs> town is is a mental grind. It, uh, oh, you're in LA. Yeah, don't judge me. I heard it. I heard it in the tone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in DC, dude. I'm not. I'm no place to judge at all. No, LA is sweet. Uh, LA's great. I love California. I, love I would like to move up, yeah. up to the Bay Area, actually. that's. I think San Francisco is just goddamn gorgeous. I think I'm shy a couple grand a month to live, <laughs> rent-wise, to live there. Yeah, San Francisco is terrible. I mean, Oakland's great. I would, I would definitely recommend Oakland to live in if you're looking for a place in the Bay Area because it's like you slice the price in half and you're just 10 minutes from the bridge and it's still an amazing, gorgeous city it's unbelievable i would definitely move back to oakland yeah you haven't you haven't been in dc very long have you no about nine months now was it kind of nine or ten months i can't imagine it wasn't a culture shock (laughs) yeah big time big time coming from oakland and coming here and just being like oh my god there's like no art there's no real like Where's the humanity? No, it's just like everyone, I mean, I'm right like where all the lobbyists are and stuff. I'm like right by K Street. So you have all these like 
people in business suits with their Bluetooth and like texting, like they're all important, uber important 24-7 and like it's just really strange. It's a really strange scene. Um, I think I'm living in the wrong area of town. I kind of just randomly got a place that's really close to my work. So I need to like, I know that there's cool areas of the city. I just got to branch out and, and go live somewhere else. But yeah, yeah I'm, in a, I'm in a total tool zone. It seems like there would be, well, I mean, because, you know, we, they got Ian McKay and the, the whole Discord record thing there. So it seems like there would be a great underbelly of people who really hate politicians and, you know, and music yeah, and like art. Yeah, like the current against the norm. Yeah, there is. There is. There's a lot of cool music venues and stuff. I just got to start, like, reaching out more. It's just it's so hard with the daily grind of doing this show, you know, to really go out and explore the art scene or find out what the hell else is going on. One word for that, cocaine. That just, you know, give you all the energy. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you through the day and the night. Nice. Um, well, I'll end on, on that. I, I want to thank you very much uh, for your time. You have no idea how uh, I know I said it at the top there but I'm just very f- flattered that you took the time out to talk with little course, old me man. I'm glad that you like the show I, I love the show and I I, I, I I watch you almost every day and that sounds slightly creepy <laughs> no it's not at all it's fucking awesome and I and I'm really happy that people care about the issues and and think that it's important I mean I, I'm really happy to know that you like it and it means a lot to me I'm hearing feedback like that Thank you. This has been Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, hey, hey, hey now. <laughs> send me uh, send me some money. Just fucking do it. Uh, you can donate to us. It's a tax write-off, uh, and it helps us do silly things like keep recording, make food for ourselves, pay my internet bill so I could call people and make these shows. Now, if you can't afford to give money and you're going to buy some stuff on Amazon, go to my link on feralaudio.com and uh, do that. You, you go through that link and I get a kickback of that money. Uh, also, uh, follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer.com. And uh, Tumblr, I've got a Tumblr page. i got two Tumblr pages, one solely dedicated to the show called conversationswithmattdwyer.tumblr.com. Thank you very much for listening and fight the power.
branch of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.